0: Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, April 17, 2022, called Now This is Personal, given on Easter Sunday by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of John, chapter 20, verse 18. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things
1: to her. Will the Lord be with you? Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So we'll have to get a review from you guys sitting in the gym. See, we're trying some new technology. So we got screen back there and we added a speaker and all of that. I don't know. Ryan, what do you say? Yes? How's it going? Is it going good? Welcome. We're just really blessed that you're there. And if you're joining us from any of our assisted living places, blessed Easter to you. We welcome you in the name of the Lord. So I, we get to do chapel here. I love, I love that we get to. You may or may not know this. We have over 500 students in our school uh, from diapers to diplomas. That's what we have. Um, so age age two to grade twelve, and it's just a joy to be able to share the gospel, to share Jesus in that setting. And of course, when you get the week before Easter, it's a great big huge deal. And how do you? But it's tricky. How do you do it? You're not. It's not Good Friday. It's not Easter. And so somehow, though, you want to share it with them before they walk out the door uh, for the for a long weekend. And so you're always trying to balance those things. But in the conversation that we had in talking about the darkness of Easter, but the great joy and victory of, of Easter, you know, you can't really have one without the other. The one makes the other just phenomenal, rich, deep. Um, but it's powerful <clears throat> to be, I said to him, think of some great, great parties that we celebrate in our culture. And the kid just quickly, in elementary, Our elementary, they're the most engaged. They're into it, you know. It, there gets a point where you're too cool for school, you know. So they, uh, but these elementary kids are like, yeah, Super Bowl, you know, halftime thing, and party, Super Bowl party, if you won the Super Bowl. Or another one was a wedding reception, you know, wedding party, or birthday party, like, you know. Um, another one was... Uh, um, they watched the, had watched the Academy Awards, you know, like, the parties that go along with that, or if you win a big prize, or if you won the tournament, or you have a great big party. And you know, you go to a lot of work. Anyone who's organized a big party, a big celebration, that can be a lot of work. Big wedding reception, and you're putting all that together, you're doing all the planning, and you're making all that happen. And you know, it was fun for me to talk to the kids about that, because at one point I stopped and I said, you guys, do you know this? Easter... Nothing compares to it. All those parties and celebrations you just described—they're nothing compared to that Super Bowl. What you had a trophy, a few bucks, a little bit of bragging rights. Really? You know? I mean, even when you graduate, right? People forget. It's not that big a deal. The next, a year from, a year later, or a birthday. There's always another one. Too many in my case, right? So I mean, you know, it's that kind of thing. And I said, all those things are wonderful. We should celebrate those things. They are important. Those are good things to celebrate. But nothing compares to Easter. And, and I'll tell you, it, it's really kind of neat here. Chris, Pastor Chris and Ryan, they had sunrise service out at Sister City Park. It was neat. I got to see them at least start. And it was. It, this is the second year we've done that there. That was a neat way to start. Jared helped them with music. And they hiked up the hill and saw the sunrise. I don't know, were you able to at all? It's a little too cloudy today, but it's still cool. It gets lighter and lighter and lighter. It's way neat. And then at 8 o'clock, it's very traditional. We're wearing robes, and and the choir singing, the hallelujah chorus, and there's brass, you know, brass pieces, and the organ is just like making the house rumble, you know, and uh, it's awesome. It's just awesome. And then at 9.30, I love it because we start with the traditional, and then we finish with the praise team, and that group is blessed by that. And there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people coming, and so the planning for that, that like my wife does, and the Jared does, and Jerry practices day after day after day, our instrumentalists, our vocalists, the PowerPoint, presenter—sorry, the pro presenter stuff that goes, and all the live streaming, and all of that, there's so much that goes into it, and it's worth every second, because we're honoring our Lord Jesus, amen? Yeah. And so we celebrate that thing, it's right to do that to have that kind of party, to have that. But you know what? There's a danger in that because sometimes it can become almost institutionalized that you come kind of for the event and it stops being personal. So I wanted to do this today. I'm backing it back to making it personal. Let me let me, let me describe this to you. Have you heard this term? I bet you have. If, if you've ever done a big business transaction and you've kind of gotten to know the person, like you're selling a home or or you're you're buying a car, or maybe you're buying it from a friend, and then you decide not to, or you haggle with them on the price, and people start to get offended, and you end up using this phrase. It's just business. It's not personal. You know, this is the interesting thing, and I get it. I get it. Look, I don't really mean to offend you. This is just a money thing, not a personal thing. I've never quite been able to make that distinction very well in my life. It's hard for me. And maybe it's hard for some of you. It's hard. But you know what's interesting? When you, go th- when you go through the account of Jesus' life, Jesus' business is personal. Every moment. There is never a time when Jesus' business is not personal. It's always about you. Always. And so it's interesting because when it gets personal, it gets powerful. Think about this. There's sometimes... Like, if your name is called, does that fill you with excitement or dread? Depends. Like if my mother said, Jonathan Mark, <laughs> oh, yoy, yoy. <laughs> and if she added my last name, I ran away. <laughs> and so it depends. Sometimes it can fill you with dread. I, I went to seminary as an older student, and I'd been out of school, college for seven years. My Greek was rusty. One of the things I dreaded most was the Greek professor saying, Dinger, translate the next portion. I just dreaded it. I knew that all the other guys were too, even though they didn't act like it. That was a dumb one. I'm still of an era when you could get drafted. I'm old enough where you could get drafted. some guys, Some guys, there were some, God bless them, who wanted that but they volunteered, most of them. But for guys like me, and it wasn't that I'm, I'm not patriotic or things, it, we had other plans. And I didn't, you know, that was a thing. I didn't want my name called. Or maybe there's a time you get your name called and there's a pink slip attached. Or your name's called and there's divorce papers. Or you're called into the doctor's office and the diagnosis is not what you wanted. Those are hard when your name is called, but it's personal, isn't it? It's not business. It's personal. Or sometimes we long for it. We're longing for our name to be called. The lottery. I'm still waiting. Um, Making the team. Hey, you made the team. Or maybe you're in the starting five. Maybe you got a part in the play or the lead. Or maybe you got to sing a solo in the choir. Maybe You're the valedictorian. Or maybe you got the promotion. Or a long-awaited call from a friend who you hadn't heard from for years, and they said, hey, Jonathan, I miss you. Or how about these words that come from a child? Daddy, can I come home? Or how about these? Will you marry me? Or we're having a baby. Those are times you're longing to hear your name called. You're longing for that. And so here's the thing. God calls our name. And he always calls our name with purpose. Sometimes he does it twice. Sometimes he goes, Abraham, Abraham. You heard it in this passage in the Old Testament? I was just leaning over to Chris. And I said, I have never chosen that. That's not an assigned reading for Easter. But I love the idea there. Only God. Only God is required and called upon to sacrifice his only son, only God. And God provided a substitute for Abraham. And God provides a substitute for us. And so we're grateful for that, but in that passage, God called Abraham by name twice, Abraham, Abraham. And God did that to make a people, a family. He wanted to create a family to himself through which would come his Savior. And then it's Jacob, Jacob in the Old Testament. God wanted a nation that would be a light to the whole world of his truth and his love. And then Moses, Moses in the burning bush. And God is longing for Moses to go and say, let my people go. Free them from bondage to slavery in Egypt, 400 years of slavery. Or he called out to Samuel, 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 I need a king to rule my people, a man after God's own heart. Or you go to the New Testament, it's Martha, Martha. God calls to Martha and says, Martha, only one, you're busy and worried about so many things, but just one thing is needed. Just me, Martha, just me. And then Jesus says to Peter, Simon, Peter, Simon, Simon. He prays for Simon. Satan has asked me for you. And I'm telling him, no, I'm praying for you. And then he restores Peter, even after. Simon, do you love me more than these? Calls him by name. And then Paul on the road to Damascus, Saul, Saul. And in Paul's conversion, we're, that he's probably the reason we're all sitting here today. God used him to bring millions to faith in Christ. It's personal. It's of great importance. And because it was important, it was personal. God calls our name. Jesus' business is always personal. But I want to back up now. I want to back up to one person in the garden, Mary. The women went to the tomb. It is always one of the powerful moments of the story. The men were hiding. Lest you think the Bible is this misogynistic, male chauvinist tome, the men are the ones hiding in the corner wetting their pants. And it's the women who go to the tomb and proclaim the gospel. Praise God. And uh, And when they came back to the disciples, they didn't believe them. And Mary lingers. And Mary lingers. You can just imagine it. She had been demons cast out of her. She'd been restored. She was part of Jesus in her circle. She had been loved, welcomed. And through the haze of tears, through her grief, dashed hopes, I want want to show you a video. I think it does a nice job better than me. Let's show this.
0: It was quiet when we approached the tomb. Days before, there was noise wherever we went. Crowds cheering, sometimes yelling. But now in front of his tomb, just silence. I had gathered all my spices and oils intending to anoint the body. But when I got there, He was gone. Jesus changed my life. Ever since the day that I met him in Galilee, he rescued me. And I followed him ever since, all the way to his death. But there was the tomb, and it was empty. my heart broke into a thousand pieces. I turned and there was a gardener and I asked him if he knew where they had taken Jesus' body. But I recognized it was Jesus. It was my Lord. He taught us that his sheep would recognize his voice, and I knew him, I knew him the minute he said my name. I dropped to my knees. What else could I do but cling to him? I never wanted to let him out of my sight. But no, he had different plans for me. He wanted me to let the others know about the good news. I ran as fast as my legs would carry me. I was shouting like an excited child. He did it. He did it. He, he really did it. Yes. To think that I had come to an anoint a dead man and I left with proof that he is the overcomer of everything. I, all of us, can never beat fear, sorrow, sin, definitely not death. Death. He beat I say that he is. I know who he is. Oh, I know who he is. He said that he would rise. But he most certainly is risen. He is the Savior. He is is the one true God.
1: John chapter 20, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. You know, Jesus, you might argue, had a lot of very important things to do that day. He probably had a long list of things to do. And look what he did first. He called her name. She was looking for him. She couldn't find him. And so he found her. There are times, aren't there, if we're really honest, there are times for us where we really struggle to see Jesus, don't we? Aren't there times we're impatient? We're crying out in prayer. and Lord is not and God doesn't act fast enough for us. He doesn't act in the way I want him to. Sometimes we struggle. Lord, are you really there? It seems like it's silent. Lord, I can't hear your voice. Lord, there are so many other voices in our world. Lord, am I doing the right thing? I need some counsel. I need some guidance. I'm struggling to see you. sometimes in the anger or the loss or the grief, the tears cloud our vision, certainly in Mary's case. Her vision was so clouded she could not recognize her Savior until he called her name. Until he called her name. When he said Mary, what was packed into saying that? What was Jesus saying to her? You are mine. I love you. I know you. I care about you. I am here. I am yours. You can trust me. I will never abandon you. I have chosen you. You, my child, are my greatest treasure and my greatest victory. It's when Jesus calls us by name that we see him most clearly. Jesus is calling our name today. He's calling you by name. He knows your name. Not to chastise you or to tease you or to call your faith into question or to give you a big to-do list that you better get on. He says to you the very same things he said to Mary. You are mine. I love you. I know you. I care. I will never abandon you You, my child, are my greatest treasure and my greatest victory. You know, it's interesting. We spent 40 days in Lent going through a being challenge. Some of you are familiar with that. We distributed over 600 books, and you all did it. I was proud of you. I was amazed. Even if you were like me and didn't do every challenge or even missed a few days here and there, we were doing it. And what was the point of it? Uh, the author said there were targets Jesus had, right? Jesus had targets in his earthly life, targets of being in community and being in the Word of God and in prayer and in solitude and uh, committing to church and those things, right? He, Jesus had targets, and I loved it, and it was valuable, it was meaningful, but on this Easter Sunday, I'm going to say, Pastor Zach, we're going to say Jesus had a different target. It was you. You know, on this day of Easter, our praises lift high to Jesus. We hold him high, don't we? Isn't that our goal? I mean, our goal as a church is, Lord, we just want to hold Jesus way up high. We're going to hold him up high so everyone can see exactly what he's all about. The full Jesus. The whole Jesus. Not a caricature of Jesus. The whole Jesus. We're going to lift him high. And our praises lift him high. We speak, we honor him. We glorify him. We do everything we can to honor him. And yet, you know what? What's on the lips of Jesus Because Jesus' business is personal. While this day for us, it's all about Jesus. For Jesus, it was all about you. And that's the glory of God in Christ. You, his treasure, his love for you, now and always. It's your name that has always been on his lips and in his heart. And that's why we celebrate today and continue to lift him high as he lifts you high. Christ is risen! He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.
0: If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org and make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.